encourage you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, and we'll also be in 1 John uh, as well today. So let me pray and ask God to bless our time and his word together this morning. Uh, Father God in heaven, Lord, I thank you for this time uh, that you've gathered us uh, as your people uh, with each other to celebrate the birth of Christ our Savior. Uh, God, I thank you that we uh, are unworthy people, but God, out of your goodness, you, you stoop uh, down to rescue us, to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And God, I thank you uh, that in so doing, we are giving uh, much joy. I got to pray that this joy would uh, erupt within us, God, that you would change us by your grace for your glory, uh, that our joy uh, may be complete in Christ, and, and that in so doing, we may live lives uh, that are radically different. Um, God, we thank you for this time. I pray that your Holy Spirit, who inspired the scripture to be written down, uh, would indeed uh, dwell with us today. God, that your Holy Spirit would open our minds to understand and open our hearts to receive uh, the good news of Jesus. God, we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 8 says this, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of, a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And the angels went away from them into the heaven, and the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they had saw it, they made known the saying that they had been told concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is God's word. Friends, the good news of Jesus' birth changes everything. This good news ripples out and radiates outward from us to others, both in word and action. We see in this beautiful story of the birth of Jesus that we celebrate during Advent, we see this beautiful picture of God's glory dwelling with his people, announcing this good news. We see these humble shepherds coming to worship this baby king and then leaving changed. Scripture tells us that they, they left glorifying and praising God. Now, that statement is, is pretty big when we look at the theme of glory throughout Scripture, what it means to glorify God. For you and I today, uh, closely related to glorifying God is, is love. Now, we glorify God by loving Christ and loving each other, and we see that in this passage today. See, throughout Scripture, throughout the Old Testament, you see that God's glory is his dwelling presence with his people If you read from Genesis all the way through the Old Testament, time and time again, you see God's glory as his presence dwelling with his people. When you look in the book of Exodus, you see that that God would uh, come and dwell with his people. They would set up a tabernacle, and his glory would dwell there in the tabernacle. We see that God's uh, glory was dwelling amongst uh, Mount Sinai when he was speaking to Moses, giving Moses the law. 
And so throughout the Old Testament, there are numerous occasions of God coming down to uh, speak in word and to do action uh, with his presence amongst his people. And time and time again, that is God's glory dwelling with his people. Now, the birth of Christ is God dwelling with us as well. We see even in this passage is the, the good news of the, of the birth of Christ is God's dwelling with his people. We know that Jesus is God incarnate. Jesus is God putting on flesh and dwelling with us. But even at his birth, the presence of God was made known to these shepherds who were uh, far away from Bethlehem. And we see that a response that they have to the revealed glory of God is to glorify God. When you look at this passage uh, in verse 8, you see that the, the shepherds were in the field. And verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord, of the Lord shone around them. <clears throat> we see again, down in verse 12, says that there will be a sign, a baby in a manger. And in verse 13, suddenly there were with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. We see toward the end of the story today in verse 20, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. So when God's presence is made known, when God comes down and dwells with his people, his glory is with his people. The response is to glorify God. Now over the past couple weeks, if you've been with us, we've been going through a series, what we've called the Advent Conspiracy, seeing how the, the, the presence of God with us changes everything. We've seen that God dwelling with us in the personal work of Jesus changes us so that we can worship him fully. We see that this changes our attitudes and actions during this Christmas season so that we can actually spend less but give more. And today we conclude the Advent conspiracy uh, with the charge to love all. And closely related to the glory of God is his love. And closely related to our action of glorifying God is loving God and loving others. Stick with me. Look in verse in 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4 uh, verse 7 uh, through 12 says this, "Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love." And this is the love of God, and this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Closely related to the glory of God is the love of God. And closely related to our glorifying God is our loving God and loving each other. In our culture today, we have a uh, mixed view, a mixed understanding of what love is. Culturally, uh, our culture tells us love is something a little different than what the biblical definition of love is. Now, uh, stick with me when I tell you, when I divulge this private information. I'm a fan of a movie called Moulin Rouge. Uh, don't judge me. I like musicals. Don't judge me. I like musicals. And uh, several years ago, I saw a movie called Moulin Rouge. And um, 
they have this great song, this, this love song medley, where they, they take all these great 80s love ballads and just mash them all together. And, and in this moment, uh, you see the character is saying, love is a many splendid thing. Love lifts us up where we belong. All you need is love. I was made for loving you, baby. You were made for loving me. In the name of love, and so on and so forth. They're just mashing all of these cultural, uh, great 80s love ballads together. It's a great movie, great music. Um, but when you look at that, it's a great portrait of what our culture tells us love is. But it's a little off base from what the Bible tells us love is. You see, cultural love is based on a feeling. It's based on an emotion. It's based on what you get from somebody. So you can say, I, I love this person as long as they give me this. Or I love this thing as long as I get this enjoyment from it. Like I love chocolate as much as chocolate tastes good, but the second it gives me a stomachache and makes me sick, I don't love chocolate anymore. Cultural love is based on a feeling and emotion and what you get out of something. But Scripture teaches us something a little different about love. Love that's connected to the glory of God. Our command to love God and love others in so much as it is glorifying God. See, biblical love is based on a covenant commitment that extends from the very nature of God himself and his work in Christ. That's what biblical love is. It's connected to a covenant commitment based in the very nature of God and the work of Christ's redemption of us. So again, I say to you, closely connected to glory is love. Because when we see in Luke chapter 2, the story of the shepherds of the birth of Jesus and the glory of God is coming down to say, here I am, I am God, this is who I am, this is how I work, this is what I'm doing for you. And the angels announce glory to God in the highest. They are glorifying God because of who he is and what he's doing and bringing redemption to the earth. And then the shepherds see this and hear this good news and they, and they see Jesus face to face and they go back to their home. Scripture tells us glorifying God. Loving God for who he is and what he's done. And then a couple decades later, John writes this letter of 1 John. He tells us a little bit about who God is, what he's done, and the nature of true love. So a couple things I want us to know to connect this to the Advent season for us is that the glory of God and the love of God are intertwined, and our glorifying God is expressed by loving God and loving others, okay? So let's look at a couple things about biblical love and how it ties into the birth of Christ, okay? The first thing I want us to know is this. Scripture tells us very plainly that God is love. God is love. First uh, John 4, 8 and 9 says this, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. So John tells us in his letter here that God is love. And we know this because God sent his son Jesus into the world so that we may have life in him. So when we look at the birth of Christ this Advent season, we know, we know who God is and what he's done because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. We know what love is because God is love, and we see this love expressed by God sending his son Jesus so that we may have life. You see, God's dwelling presence is his glory, and, and if we want to know what glory is and love is, God comes down to dwell with his people to express his glory, to say, say, here I am, 
Here's what I'm doing for you. Here's my character as a loving father, and I'm going to rescue you with my son, Jesus. That's the glory of God dwelling at the first Christmas during Advent. God dwelling with us in the personal work of Jesus. And God is love. And it's made manif- his love is made manifest through his son, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. So the first thing I want us to see, first and foremost, is that God is love. God is love. But secondly, there's something you need to know this Christmas. You are loved. Don't let that statement fly over your head really quickly. You were loved. You were loved by God. God is love, and you are loved by God. And this changes everything for us when we think about who Jesus is and what he came to do. We, we celebrate the birth of Christ. We celebrate the, the creator of the universe, our Father God, who can do anything he wants and has done everything in the universe. He creates everything out of nothing. The book of Genesis tells us nothing, and all of a sudden God says, here, here's everything. And God does that. And throughout history, God is dealing with his wayward, stubborn people, and we see God doing amazing things like flooding the earth and like burning cities to the ground. And then we see God rescuing his crazy, wayward people. I use crazy loosely, like idolatrous, fickle-hearted people uh, from enslavement in Egypt. He rescues them in the book of Exodus, leads them to a land of promise, blesses them even though they are wayward people. And then you and I today, here we are, we're the same way. We have fickle hearts. We are wayward, stubborn people. And God extends his love to us through his son, Jesus. And this is a big statement John makes here. In chapter 4, he says, Beloved, loved ones. He calls the reader several times here, Beloved, let us love God. Beloved, let us love one another. That word is a term of endearment for those who are loved by God. And Scripture tells us here, in verse 9, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. I mean, does that register with you that the God who made the universe is stooping down to rescue you because he loves you? This should blow your mind that the God that could flood the whole earth is stepping into dirty human history because he loves you. That the God that can burn cities to the ground with a snap of his finger is, is pausing stepping into your life because he loves you. Now here's the beauty of biblical love is that it's not based on who you are and what you've done. It's not that God gets anything from you. It stems from God's goodness because of the nature of who God is that he rescues you. That should give you great freedom this Christmas in knowing that you were loved by God. That God is expressing his love through you by the birth of his son Jesus who is coming to rescue you That should give you great freedom because God's love for you is not based on who you are and what you've done or what you're doing or what you plan to do. God does not love you any less because of your checkered past. God does not love you any more because of the awesome resume you were building. God loves you because he's God, because it is in his nature to love. And 1 John 4 tells us that God is love. And that God loves you, and he shows you this love by sending his son, Jesus. And so this Advent, may we, may we pause this Christmas season and, and celebrate 
the fact that God is love and that he loves you because of who he is. Not because of who you are and what you've done, but who he is and what he's doing for us. That gives us a great amount of joy. And so imagine being a dirty shepherd, right, in the first century. Imagine being out in a field saying, I've got to take care of these sheep, and uh, money's tight because the Roman Empire has invaded our land, and they're taxing the mess out of us. I mean, imagine being a shepherd saying, man, I've got to put food on the table for my family. It's cold out here. I'm, I'm, I'm huddling up amongst these little sheep, these smelly, dirty sheep. Got to take care of them, make sure they're fed. Got to keep the wolves away. Got to do this. And with any money I make, I'm going to have to give 80% to the Roman government. And, and you know, things are really tight right now. And, and in the middle of that, angels split the sky open and say, I got good news for you, dirty shepherd. <laughs> you were loved. And God is coming down in his goodness and his love to show you how beautiful he is and how wonderful he is. And he loves you, dirty shepherd man. <laughs> His son, Jesus, is is being born this night. He's a savior. He's going to rescue you. Now, we sometimes just forget about it because we got Red Ryder BB guns and Charlie Brown Christmas and and all kind of fun, good stuff going on, but we we forget the fact that God and his nature is love and that in his glory, he, he comes to show us the nature of himself in the birth of Jesus. And that this good news changes everything. God is loved. God is love. And in Christ, you are loved. And that's such good news. And so for dirty shepherds to hear this good news, and they, and they see the baby Jesus, and they see the glory of God, they see the nature of God sending his son Jesus as an expression, a manifestation of his character, of his love. It's the glory of God dwelling with them. They, scripture tells us in Luke, 20, in Luke 2, 20, that, that they go away glorifying and praising God. That's good news. But also I want us to know not only that God is love and that in Christ you are loved, but thirdly, we are commanded to love one another. We're commanded to love. So when we think that the, the nature of God is his love and, and the, the glory of God is his expression of his character, is the, the manifestation of his love, and we're commanded to uh, glorify God and to love one another, we love God and love each other, uh, that's how we glorify God, right? We're reflecting who God is. So here's God's glory. We glorify God because we're reflecting his glory. God is love. We reflect, we reflect God's love by loving Christ and loving each other, right? And that's what scripture tells us. 1 John 4, 11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, we read this, and we often look at this through our American lenses of, well, I'll love you in so much as I enjoy your company. Or I will love you guys in so much as I get something from you. Just like I love chocolate as long as it tastes good and it doesn't give me a stomachache. But the second it gives me a stomachache, I don't love chocolate anymore. Right? Scripture in numerous places tells us that we are to, uh, it's, all, it's a command to love God and to love others. Do you ever think, why, why does God command us to love him and love others? Like, don't you think that should just be a natural thing, right? Like, I just, I just love you, Lord. I love you guys. Our hearts are fickle. Our hearts are frail. As humans, we are broken. There has to be a command to love, because if we weren't commanded to do it, uh, we wouldn't naturally do it. And even though we're commanded to do it, we still don't do it. <laughs> 
But the good news is that God is love, and that in Christ you are loved by God. And thirdly, we are commanded to love, and in Christ we can love God and love each other. There's a bunch of stuff about, about love in the Bible. Like get this, in Matthew chapter 22, some guys come up to Jesus and say, hey, what's, the, what's the most important thing in the law? What's the most important command we're supposed to do? Like we, we want to do what's right, but what's the most important one? And Jesus says this, he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So scripture tells us, hey, we're to love God. We're to love God. It's a command. Can't do it on our own. If we try to do it on our own, we will end up loving ourselves or loving something other than God. It's a story of the Bible. <laughs> time and time again, God says, hey, you're my people. They say, great, we're going to love this thing over here. God says, hey, I'm going to rescue you because I love you. They're like, awesome. We're going to worship this God over here. God comes down in human history. We celebrate at Advent. Jesus is coming saying, you're my people. I'm going to rescue you. And we say, awesome, God. I like money better than you. Jesus says, I, I love you. I'm going to show my love to you by living a perfect life in your place and dying in your place and coming back from the dead to show you that I will, I will bring you back from life bring you back to life from death. And we say, Jesus, that is a great story. I love people's opinion of me more than that. I, I want to be approved of by, uh, I want to raise up in the ranks of status and, and whatever. I mean, the idols of our hearts pull us away from the joy that is ours in the Lord. The, the idols of our heart and culture draw us away from the, from the joy that we have in seeing the glory of God. And this pulls us away from loving God. We love other things more than God. This pulls us away from loving each other because we say, look, I want to love you, but when things get hard, I'm just not going to love you anymore. When things get hard, I'm just going to uproot and go over here. Scripture commands us, if God is love, and in his glory he shows us that, we are to, uh, we're, we're loved by God. Right? The good news is God is love. The good news is that in Christ we are loved. And the good news is we get to love God and love each other because of who Christ is and what he's done for us. And so scripture commands us, Jesus' own mouth says that we are to love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your heart. This is the great and first commandment. The second is like it, love your neighbor. This is what I love. The, the second is like it, like you can't, it goes with it. It's like, you know, it's, it's, there's an and there in verse, the very first word in verse 39. <laughs> And, it's like, a, you know, they go together. He's not like, the greatest commandment is to love God. No, so the greatest commandment is to love God and, and, and the second is like it, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. Because if we truly love God, we will love his people. If we see that God is love and that in Christ you are beloved, you are a loved one, we will love God and we will love each other because when we look at each other, we'll say, hey, God loves you too. I mean, if you look at somebody who is a Christian and you don't love them, I, I just don't think you get the gospel. Because if you look at somebody who's a Christian, even if you don't get anything from that relationship, you love them because God loves them. Christ loves them. Christ has redeemed them. They belong to Jesus, not you. So you can throw chocolate away if it gives you a stomachache, but you can't push aside another Christian. They belong to Jesus. Martin Luther says this, he says, Fruit of faith therein be showing, 
that thou art to others loving, to thy neighbor thou wilt do as God and love hath done to you. So friends, the command to love God is connected to the command to love each other because God is love. And at the nativity story, we see that, that God shows his glory, his love, by sending his son Jesus to be born. And, and because of that, you are loved by God in Christ. And because of that, we can love God rightly and truly. And we can love each other as we're commanded to do because apart from Christ, we won't love each other. We'll only like each other in so much as we get something out of the relationship. But the second we don't get any some, something out of that relationship, the relationship's over because it's based on like, not love. But Christ changes us, and when God dwells with us at the birth of Christ, we see his glory, we glorify him, because he is love, and we love him and love each other. Scripture also tells us, you with me? We're good? I'm almost done. Here we go. All right. Bible. Bible. All right. We're commanded to love God, right? We're commanded to... So, oh, let me just say one more thing about love, right? So... If we're to, you know, God's glory is here, and our job is to glorify him. That means we reflect his glory. So God is love, and so we reflect his glory by by loving him back and loving each other. So when you love somebody, you you were reflecting the love of God for them to them. Does that make sense? So like if you were rightly loving your neighbor, you were showing how much God loves them. It really has nothing to do with you. You're like a mirror that reflects sunlight over here. Not like a magnifying glass to burn an anthill. Not that kind. But like a mirror to reflect the light to a dark area. So when you're loving your neighbor, you were, you were revealing the glory of God to them. Not because of who you are, but because of who he is and what he's done. Right? And so scripture commands us to love God, commands us to love our neighbor. Ephesians 5 and, and Colossians 3 talks about loving, loving your family. Loving your, if you're married, you were to love your wife, men. And in so doing, you're, you're reflecting the love of God for your spouse to your spouse. That's, that's what it means to be a husband. You just do that. If you're a father, you do the same thing. Wives, you do that as, as moms. Scripture tells us in Ephesians 5, Colossians 3, some other areas to uh, how to walk in love. How about this? John 13, we're commanded to love other, other Christians, right? John, uh, Jesus says this, um, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So Jesus is saying, look, I I love you. You you should love each other as I have loved you. I'm reflecting the glory of God the Father to you. That's what Jesus did his whole life, his death, his resurrection, was reflecting the glory of God the Father to wayward people. So when Jesus says, love each other as I have loved you, he's saying to do the same thing. We spend our lives reflecting the glory of God to each other and our love to one another. Scripture gives us a lot of these. I'll post, if you're on the city, I'll post these on the city because Scripture gives us a lot. Like if, so here we are saying, all right, I get it, Jeremy. God is love. In Christ, we are love. We are to love God and, and love others, and that's how we reflect the glory of God to each other like a mirror. I think we get that, right? Now, practically, how do we do that? And I'll post this stuff on the city this week because Scripture tells us how to do this. It gives us very specific, I'll give you ten. ten. Ten things. Actually, it's nine because the first one is love one another. Well, we got you there, Jeremy. Love one another. Great. Secondly, fellowship with one another. That means hang out. If you want to reflect the glory of God to somebody else, you've got to hang out with them. can't reflect the glory of God not hanging out, right? Thirdly, uh, forgive one another. Ooh, good.
good one, right? If you, sh- if you forgive somebody for wronging you, you were reflecting the nature of God to them. That's a big deal, y'all. You can do this when somebody cuts you off in traffic. Like, <laughs> short aside story. I recently bought a pickup truck that used to belong to my 19-year-old brother, and I left the stickers on the back of the truck because, I don't know, I just thought they were cool. But I keep running into people that still think that's my brother's truck. <laughs> So, like, I'm, like, driving down the road, and I see somebody, like, waving. They're like, hey, oh, that's not James, right? And so the other day, some guy, some guy rode by me and gave me, like, an obscene gesture. was like, eh, oh, and I think he didn't realize that I wasn't James. That's an aside. I don't know. That has nothing to do with anything. Jesus, Christmas, here we go. So scripture, I don't even know what I was saying there. Oh, so, like, if you're driving, like, a to- you can forgive a total stranger. And I, that may sound really weird, but, like, if you're out in holiday traffic, it's brutal. I, I hate holiday traffic. And it's really easy for me just to be like, you know, but you can just say, look, I'm going to forgive that guy for cutting in line. Or like we were at this lights thing the other day and people were just like going crazy to get a picture taken in front of this glowing thing. And I was like, y'all calm down. Like, you know, Merry Christmas. Go ahead, you know. But if you were married, I'm sure there are opportunities for you to forgive your spouse. Am I the only one that gets to ask my wife to forgive me? (laughs) Really, I am. Wow. But any time in marriage, if you wrong your spouse by saying something or, or, or you fail to do something you should or you do something you shouldn't, it's a great opportunity for you uh, to ask forgiveness and your spouse can show you the love of God in that moment. Or if your spouse wrongs you, you can show them the love of God. It's beautiful. It happens with your kids. Parenting is just amazing. It's, it's unbelievable how much God is teaching uh, us through our kids. Uh, in, in the context of a community like this, we, we probably hurt each other's feelings every now and then. That's okay. We stick together because our love for each other is based on who God is and what he's done for us, not what we get out of this relationship. So we're committed to each other. So look, if I wrong you, if I ever wrong you, ever, if I say something that offends you, pull me aside and say, Jeremy, I just, I don't get it. And I can say, great, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And then you have a great opportunity to reflect the love of Christ to me. I welcome it, man. I would love for you to reflect the love of Christ. Forgive me, right? So we can love one another, fellowship with one another, forgive one another. Oh, I like this one. Romans 15 says we're to accept one another. Ah, you're accepted in Christ. Therefore, you're accepted here. Ooh, yes. How about this? Serve one another? Ah, we can glorify God. We can reflect the love of God to each other by serving one another. This is, this is a great thing. I mean, this is so, so practical. All of us have different gifts, different skills. There are so many opportunities. And these are all given toward Christians. This is what's great. And so if you're in this room and you're a Christian, you're like, hey, I want to reflect the love of Christ to others. You want to serve? Man, we got a pile of kids here at this church, and there's more coming. And we could use some of you to serve in our kids' ministry. If you want to reflect the love of Christ, get back there with them kids, man. You can reflect the love of Christ to them, to the parents, to others in this room. That's just an aside. You can sign up out there at guest services table. All right, teach one another. Colossians says we're to teach one another. We express the love of God as we teach one another. This can be theological. This can be practical. Like, hey, teach me how to tie a tie better than this. I would welcome that, right? Be patient with one another. Oh, that's such a big one. As we, as we are patient with one another, we are reflecting the glory of God to each other. Right? Pray for one another. Mm. Pray for one another. I don't know all of you by name. I don't even know all of your faces. But we pray for you a lot. And I know a lot of you guys pray for, for me and the 
my family and the staff here, uh, and I, I hear these wonderful stories of missional communities pr- praying over one another when you guys meet in Bible studies in each other's homes, and man, that is good for the soul to hear that in this room, there, you guys are gathering to pray for each other and pray for your communities, pray for the city. Man, that's huge. It's reflecting the love of God because uh, Jesus prays, uh, prayed uh, for us, and Jesus is our intercessor. We could do the same, reflecting the love of God, the glory of God to each other by praying. Submit to one another, is what Ephesians 5 says. Encourage one another. All right, those are just 10 one another's. Those are just 10 ways to practically show the love of God. Scripture also says this, that we're to love our enemies. And this is hard. Right? So, God is love. In Christ, we are loved. And in Christ, we can love God and love each other because the glory of God is his love. The glory of God is is what we experience at the birth of Christ. And, And in loving God and loving each other, we reflect that glory. We reflect his love to others for his glory and our joy and that others may know the good news of Jesus, right? Uh, and it seems sometimes easier to do that amongst other Christians. You're like, well, yeah, I go to church with that guy. Of course I love him. But Jesus says in Matthew 5, you have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Wow. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Am I the only one that finds out hard to digest? (laughs) Somebody who just can't stand you. I mean, maybe it's somebody at work or at school or in the community who just, they just, they're out to get you, man. They don't like you, and they are out to get you. And they want, to see you, they want to see you fail. And they're on the sidelines clapping every time you trip. You've got to love that guy. You're supposed to pray for that person. And I love what Jesus says. He says, when you do that, you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Well, <laughs> what's it like to be the son of a father? I mean, my little boy, he has ears like me, and he has a temper like me. He's reflecting my character traits physically and emotionally, Right? That's what Jesus is saying. It's like, man, if you love your enemies, you're, you're reflecting the glory of your Father to them. I mean, if you're praying for those who persecute you, you're, you're, you're like a son of God reflecting the character of, of the glory and love of God the Father. That's great, right? That's great. So uh, a lot of points and subpoints today, but I'll end by saying this. Like, you know, God is, God is love, and in Christ we are loved, and in Christ we are to love God and love each other. And since the glory of God is his nature, his character, and the glory of God is seen in Christ, we are to reflect the glory of God by loving God and loving each other. We're all good on that point. Um, lastly, I'll just say this. Scripture tells us to abide in his love. It's like a, I love that, uh, abide in his love. First John 3, uh, 23 and 24 says this, And this is the commandment that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. And we see, if you read 1 John, just a great book, man. I mean, the whole Bible's amazing, but 1 John's good, too. It's part of the Bible, so it's amazing. And if you 
if you see that the glory of God, I mean, this is what I love about the Christmas story is, as we abide in his love, this is not like a one-time, God is love, I'm loved by God, I love you, and then we're done. Abide means it's like an ongoing, just like saturation of the love of God. It's an ongoing reflecting of the love of God. It's an ongoing belief in who Christ is and what he's done. It's ongoing faith. It's ongoing repentance. It's ongoing action. It's ongoing loving, praying for, submitting to, accepting one another, encouraging one another, serving one another. All of those one another's I just rambled off, we do that ongoingly because we are abiding in the love of God. Now, this is exciting to me because when you think about the Christmas story, it's easy for us to say, Jesus was born. Boom! The angels came and said, glory to God in the highest and peace. You know, and the shepherds come and say, this is great and we're going to glorify God. The glory of God is his dwelling presence with his people. And for us to abide in his love means we are walking with Christ all of our days. Jesus was born. He died. He rose again. He ascended to be with God the Father in heaven, but he promised his Holy Spirit here with us, which means he is always, we are always basking in the glory of God. We are always dwelling in the presence of God, both now and for eternity. So for us to abide in that love is to have that ongoing belief, that ongoing trust, that ongoing faith, that ongoing uh, obedient action because of who God is, because of who Christ is and what he's done for us. And because as we love God and love each other, we love our families, our neighbors, the church community, we love our enemies. We do these things and we are showing that we are abiding in his love. Isn't that good news? I think that's really good news. So for a time of response, I would ask you guys to do this. Just meditate on, on who God is and his glory and what he's done in the person and work of Jesus. And spend some time reflecting. I mean, we, we have questions in the bulletin. If you want to think through some of those as a time of reflection, I would encourage you to do so. Uh, because what we want to see happen is, is not just check it off and say, we get it, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. All right, we got it. The angel said glory to God. We get it. Uh, what I want us to experience as a church community together is just uh, the, the awesomeness of God's glory, the awesomeness of God's goodness, and, and just the, you know, the, the humble fact that in Christ we are loved and accepted. And in so doing, we love God, we love each other, we reflect his glory uh, to one another, which is just phenomenal good news. And I would ask you to uh, ask God to reveal in your heart the uh, maybe the idols or sin struggles that, that steal your joy from Christ and, and that steal your affection from God. And maybe you're loving other things. Maybe you're loving, I mean, maybe you love yourself more than you love Jesus. That's, that's easy to do, right? Maybe you love your job more than you, you love your walk with Christ. Maybe you don't, you're not loving your family as you should. Uh, there's a lot of things. Ask, ask God to reveal those things to you, right? And, and accept that you are loved by God even though you fail in those areas. That's the good news is that in Christ we're loved by God even though we fail. And embrace the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to love God rightly and to love each other, to love your enemies, to love uh, your neighbor uh, because of who Christ is and what he's done. And in so doing, we're reflecting the glory of God. Uh, and that's what Advent's all about. That's what the birth of Jesus is about. That's what it means to be a Christian. Uh, and if you're here and you're not a believer, we just want you to know uh, the fact that in Christ you were loved. And if you want to talk more about that, come grab me, and I'll be glad to talk to you about it. Uh, let me pray. Father God in heaven, Lord, thank you for this morning. A few minutes we could get together and open your word. Uh, God, thank you that you are a good and loving God.
Thank you that um, in your goodness, uh, you love us. Thank you that your love toward us is not based on who we are, but it's based on who you are, God. I thank you, Lord, that your love for us is not based on what we've done, but rather what Christ has done. And God, I pray uh, that you would give us humble spirits to believe this gospel, to believe this good news of the dwelling presence of God with us. Uh, God, I pray that uh, by your Holy Spirit, you would humble us uh, to um, convict us of sin, convict us of uh, heart idols, that you would, uh, by your Spirit, uh, pour within us an understanding of forgiveness in Christ. And may we embrace that. May we love you more. May we love each other well. May we reflect your goodness, your glory to one another uh, because of who you are and what you've done. And God, we thank you so much. In Christ's name, amen.